is a bloody disgusting podcast network. back to horror queers it's a new year we don't have a film to talk about so it's just us 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 i'm joe and i'm trace and it's you're kind of lying because we actually will talk about some films but it's gonna be like a year in retrospective the horror queers edition and that's what this is wait do you have a slideshow presentation this is not a visual medium, Joe. We've discussed God this, but damn it. <laughs> no, this actually we're, we're releasing this on New Year's Day, which in hindsight might be a mistake because it's a oh, holiday. Yeah. So who's yeah, gonna listen? Big to colossal it? misfire. Remember how we said we were gonna plan things going into year two, and then we're releasing this on New Year's, New Year's Day? Day? I know, but it, no, it kind of works out. I'm interested to see how many people listen to this because it's not, or, or how many actually no, how many people start listening to this thinking we're discussing a movie called Speed Dating Round Two. Or they just want to hear us talk. Uh, yeah, I mean, it could go either way. We could get a bunch of hungover idiots who are just like, you know what? I want to spend some time in the company of friends. You just called everyone on New Year's Eve hungover, an idiot. Yes. Okay. You know why? Um, because you folks needed to manage your alcohol. So if I <laughs> yell and it hurts your ears, it's because you did not pace yourself or drink enough water. <laughs> Welcome back to Recovery Mode with Joe Lipset. So hopefully our soothing voices help <laughs> ease your migraine hangover a little bit. But um, right. just to give you an idea like what we are doing today and why we're not doing another film. So if you have been with us since the beginning or if you like when you started listening to us, like if you listen to the very first episode, we had an episode called Speed Dating, which um, again, so Joe and I didn't had never met before we started this podcast. And we actually didn't meet until like September. So like roughly around episode number 39. So we did, for our first episode, instead of covering a movie, we did something called Speed Dating, where we just, like, asked each other a bunch of questions and got to know each other. And in turn, if you listen to it, you also got to kind of learn more about us. So we're kind of doing the same thing now, but, like, looking back on the year as it has been. Yeah, and also we're involving you fine folks. So we included you in this because we asked you to send us in some questions, and a bunch of you did. So we're going to be reading your questions on the air. We're going to be mocking you when we don't like your question, or we're going to answer your question if we thought it was interesting and will make for good conversation. Yeah, we're going to see. There were some fun questions. There were some hard fucking questions, and there were some frivolous questions which I like to answer. Sure. Yeah, they're all fun. Um, but before we do that, I actually, so as many of you may know, uh, we did ask y'all to do a listener survey back in November and a good about 15% of y'all filled it out. I mean, from, from what I can gather, you know, like uh, our download numbers for each episode kind of fluctuate based on the film or TV show we're covering. So if it's a more popular film, we get more downloads. If it's not as popular or lesser known, we get less downloads. But from what I can gather, <laughs> about 15% of our listener base uh, filled out this survey. Which is great. Statistically speaking, that's quite good. So thank you, people. That was yeah, no. you. I think that's super great. We got a lot of good feedback. Most of it isn't going to be pertinent to y'all, but I did want to bring up the stuff that would be pertinent to y'all. So there's just a couple stats that I actually want to discuss. So um, I guess I'll, I guess we'll just kick it off. Yeah, go for it. Okay. So um, one of the things, uh, again, to, to get y'all to fill out this fucking survey, was um, we enticed you with the possibility of picking a film for us to cover in 2020, the first quarter. So in January, February, or March, like, you know, you could pick a movie for us to cover. And we kept 
all the replies that we got. And I actually wanted to like mention the most requested films that people wanted us to cover. Unfortunately, none of these ended up winning the drawing, which I will reveal the winner of that in a bit. But good food for thought for us when planning out the rest of 2020 and, you know, future years, 2021, all that jazz. Yeah, so you may see a couple of these show up on the schedule. One of them I don't think we have planned, but, you know, we'll see. We we have heard and re- we respect your wishes, so we're going to try to do what we can. <laughs> you have been heard. But yeah, so one of the big ones was Urban Legend, which we actually, I'm so if, if you all requested that, we actually did cover that in, not on the podcast, in an article series uh, for the Horror Quiz articles on Bloody Disgusting in, 20, in 2018. We do have kind of a policy that we won't cover a film that we've done an article on, unless it's been at least like a year and a half, two years, just because like, you know, it, we want it to be fresher. Although for this, we're coming up on that. So <laughs> mm-hmm. this is fair. Yeah. So ding, 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 Trace. Mm-hmm. Um, we also had so many requests for all the Scream sequels, because as many of you may know, our first official episode of the show was on Scream. And and because it's motherfucking Scream. And because we love Scream. I don't know. If y'all voted for that, y'all should keep listening because you may have a treat in store later. Hmm. Very telling. Um, and the other two big ones, um, one of them, well, the, the one that hit the most was It Follows, uh, which I was shocked by because, I mean, not that it had to be like a queer movie, you know, but it was just an interesting film that I guess, I mean, I like the movie. It's just I've never thought about covering it for this podcast. Yeah, it was a bit unexpected. I wouldn't have pegged it as the top pick, mm-hmm. we'll put it that way. I guess I buried the lead too. Also, Mulholland Drive was a big one, uh, which mm-hmm. would absolutely qualify for this podcast. Yes, come through, David Lynch. So yeah, I mean, again, you know, y'all be on the lookout for that shit. Uh, we may be scheduling some of those. We may not be scheduling. Unfortunately, yeah, if you pick one of those movies, um, that did not win the drawing. So sorry, sucks, but you know, we'll do what we can. I also wanted to bring up because okay, so listeners, Joe and I have. Like, have our favorite episodes. Uh, things that we think work about our show and things that we don't think work about the show. So we actually asked y'all, like, what your favorite and least favorite episodes were just so we could, like, get it, see if we were all on the same page. And we in of area, kind of are, but kind of aren't. The top five episodes from five to one. Um, Seed of Chucky is a really popular one, which I, I support that. Phantom of the Paradise, which... I think it's a really good episode, but shocking to me that it made it, like, it got so many, like, votes for favorite because it is one of our, not least downloaded, because we'll get to those in a bit, but, like, it's out of, like, the our last, like, half of the year. Like, it is one of the lesser downloaded episodes because it's just a movie that most people don't know about or really anything before 1990 people just don't seem to give a shit about. Yeah, it's a bit niche. I don't think it's for everybody as well. But it's good to know that people that did listen to it think it's Liked really it. good. Yeah. And, of course, our, ho- our guest on that episode, BJ Colangelo... Lovely, uh, knower of all things Phantom of the Paradise. Then we have Jennifer's Body, which is one of our earliest episodes, which, you know, going back into those early ones, I'm still kind of like, uh, like, were those good episodes? Like, should we have done such big films that early on? But, I mean, people liked it. We had to go big right out of the gates because we were trying to get attention. Yeah, that's exactly it. Ginger Snaps was our second most popular episode, mostly because of the cum discussion, but Mm -hmm. also... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but also because now I'm um, Ariel, uh, who was a really also a really good guest on that show and provided some very good knowledge on pansexuality and just like being Canadian. Yes, because I don't give you enough of that. I, we needed two of us. <laughs> I know, I know, <laughs> exactly. So then the most popular episode, which 
I mean, I'm happy for it, but I'm also kind of like, really? Is Scream? And the only reason I'm like that uh, is because it was our first episode. So like, when people say it was their favorite, I was like, so nothing after, like nothing lived up to like the standards we set after the Scream episode. No, I don't think it's that at all. I think it's that we did get a lot of feedback from people who said that they thought the analysis was really good. And also it's Scream. It's a big favorite for a lot of people. They just, they want to unpack it. They want to hear about it. Well, we'll get into my thoughts on that episode in a minute because I do have things I have to say. But um, right. that's, you know, good that y'all like all these episodes. Um, we did ask you for your least favorite episode, too. And one particular episode received an overwhelming number of responses. And I actually wanted to discuss that with you, Joe, like um, like with the responses we got to this. Yeah, I'm not sure that we gave this the proper context. So what Trace is referring to is our live episode that was recorded at Fantastic Fest on Nightmare on Elm Street 2. And we did get a lot of feedback from people who were displeased with the way that uh, our guest and the the star of the film, Mark Patton, uh, the way that he ended up kind of interjecting and taking control and the feeling that the episode wasn't reflective of the way the show, the show normally goes. So, okay. We were also taken by a loop, uh, t- taken for a loop, thrown for a loop, whatever the phrase is. So, I mean, just, I think once the documentary comes out, people will understand maybe a little bit more where Patton was coming from, but just from our perspective, yes. what we had tried to do, you know, like, like we, we weren't sure how the live recording was going to work. Like, and because uh, as many of you know, it requires watching a film and then discussing it. So when we're at a film festival, we can't just screen any film. So we got lucky that they were doing Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street, the documentary on Mark Patton, and also screening Nightmare on Elm Street 2. We were fortunate to get him as a guest. And we had tried beforehand. Well, we had made arrangements to get a drink with him before the recording to kind of like, you know, just get a feel for him and him get a feel for us and just like talk about what we wanted from the episode. We didn't get to do that. Yeah, shockingly enough, the minute that he appeared, he's a very big public figure and people immediately wanted to talk to him and he wanted to make sure that he was comfortable. So he was hanging out with his people as well. And then by the time that something could have happened, the show had to begin. So unfortunately, we didn't have a ton of time to really discuss how it was going to go. I think he ended up treating it a bit more like an interview that he would do with other people. And he did. I, I think the other thing, and this is in reference to what you mentioned, people will understand once they see the documentary, mm-hmm. he really is done poking fun at the film so he doesn't see it as like something that we can now make gentle fun of because for him this has been his entire life right like this is a film that made his career and it's also the film that broke his career and it's because of the documentary that he's back in the public eye because he's using it as his platform to get out a message about you know intolerance about bigotry about homophobia in hollywood like it's it's a really powerful documentary it's doing a lot of really good work and mark Patton is really firmly behind that he's also very on message so when we started to go into our usual thing he was like no this is not the dialogue that i want to have about this film and he took control and you know, we had you and I, Trace, had talked about this beforehand. Mm-hmm. We had made the decision, like, we're going to try to treat it like a regular show, and we hoped that he would go along with it. And then when he didn't, that's where you hear the mic drop, folks. At that point, we just said, you know what? 
we're going to go with this. And we just tried to make the best of it. And we did, we get a lot of positive feedback from that episode as well. But I think for people who really like us and like the show, it feels like a bit of a sparring match in the beginning. So it's not that he wasn't respecting us. It was that he needed to say the things that he needed to say. And I'm actually really happy with the way it turned out, but I can imagine that if you don't know all of that behind the scenes stuff, it sounds a little bit jarring. Yeah, I mean, and like, I mean, so we were only supposed to have him on the episode, and about five minutes before we started recording, we were told that um, Mark had invited Kim Myers and Robert Russler, which I was like, that's great. That's less responsibility the, for us. Yeah, <laughs> to maintain, the more the merrier. Yeah, the, to maintain the conversation. I mean, it's our first live show, and like, I mean, I, both of us are fairly outgoing, but it's still kind of nerve wracking. But, mm-hmm. you know, it was a bit of a shock. And but you know when you hear him say you know like he spent thirty years being like called a cocksucker and a faggot and all like ruining the nightmare franchise online like it's yeah it's understandable it's and in hindsight we probably should have maybe anticipated that going in which yeah. granted to be fair is what we were trying to do by getting a drink with him beforehand which unfortunately just didn't come to happen it didn't come to pass <laughs> yeah it didn't play out quite the way we would have liked or expected but I think at the end of the day I'm happy with the way it came together. Yeah, and so if y'all, like, I mean, I get y'all not liking the episode, or some of you not liking the episode, and, you know, I, I got a lot of responses that were like, uh, he needs to check his high, get off his high horse, because that movie is not some masterpiece, and I I agree, <laughs> yeah. but... We've you, talked a lot about the things that don't work for us, but... Yeah. But, but really, like, that is his film, like, that is his baby. He probably yeah. feels about it the way that we feel about the podcast. Or with the way we feel about Scream. No, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I, the, the, all the worries, no. Like, so I would rec- actually recommend um, go when the documentary comes out, which should be sometime this year. Watch it and then go mm-hmm. back and listen to that episode. Yeah, they work really well together. Yeah, it's probably going to make a lot more sense because when, during the episode, he was trying not to give away too many spoilers about the movie because the movie was going to screen after we did the recording, and so it'll work. I think it'll work as a good double feature. Well, double feature. Listening, sure. viewing, different listening mediums. Sure, um, but I, I just wanted to talk about that just because I, I again I wanted to make sure that no one. It, it felt like people were coming down really hard on Mark Patton, and I didn't want it to, like the legacy of that episode to be like Mark Patton sucks. Yeah, no, no, not at all. Yeah. So some really quick random facts. Some um, uh, demographic. I find demographics fascinating. If you don't find them fascinating, y'all can skip ahead like two minutes. But this is what I thought. So we asked again a bunch of questions about who you were because we wanted to know. Most of our audience, sixty-one percent, between the ages of twenty-five and thirty-five, with twenty-two percent between the ages of thirty-six and fifty, and a very small chunk between eighteen and twenty-four. So you know, I think we have our age group down. But seventy-five percent male and twenty percent female, with five percent um, as you know other non-binary genderqueer i won't lie i that statistic shocked me not because of the high percentage of men but just the lower percentage of women because i feel like we've actually made a lot of efforts to try and make sure that we're covering female-centric films we've got a lot of female guests so that i'll confess through me threw me for a bit of a loop because i i'm worried that it means that maybe we don't connect as well with women or women don't feel mm-hmm. like the show is for them so if women have any other feedback on this topic or if maybe it's just like 
gay men really love us. I don't know. Like, well, so okay. <laughs> let, let me finish these demographics. I, I actually have so many comments on that as well. So, um, you know, it's um, basically what we got was fifty-seven percent of our audience. Again, this is like a again sample statistic, but um, fifty-seven right. percent gay, seventeen percent bi, twelve percent heterosexual, which I was actually quite pleased by. I am always surprised when we have um hetero listeners. Uh, so that's you know nice that people are interested in our in our outlook. Um. Right. But here's the one that might also throw you that might have thrown you for a loop, Joe, is that eighty two percent of our responses were from white people. Yeah. And thirteen percent from Hispanic or Latino, which means five percent is all, all the other races. I think one of the biggest critiques we got when we we even when we started this podcast is that we are too, and we've commented on this before, but we are two white, cisgender gay men. So while we are gay, we don't have the other minority uh traits. <laughs> <laughs> we're lacking some of those outlooks yes and i'm i fully understand that which is also why though when we met, plan guests for the most part we try to plan guests that aren't just like also white cisgender gay men i mean we have some of those obviously because like you know we like to have other outlooks too but we try to plan out and even at fantastic fest a female listener had come to me and said you know you'll need more women on your show and i was like but we have like I feel like half of our guests last year were women. Yeah, I crunched the numbers and looking at the breakdown, we ended up with 13 female guests or female identifying guests and 15 male or male identifying guests. I mean, but nevertheless, y'all's opinions on that have been heard. And so we're going to try to be better about guests in the, well, this year, um, Maybe not for January, because uh, we had trouble having guests who wanted to do our January films. <laughs> <laughs> You'll find out eventually why. You'll find out eventually why, exactly. But yeah, so I mean, it, I, I, I thought that was interesting information to have. I don't really know if it's really important for our listeners to know that information, but I thought it was pertinent to bring up. What we're saying is if you know other people who you think might be interested in the podcast and they may fall outside of those demographics, please, you know... Make encourage them to give us a listen, cause yeah, or or tell us if we should be doing something maybe a little different. I don't know. And then out of the responses we got, fifty four percent of them have listened to over half of our episodes, so over twenty five episodes, which is pretty good. Um, yep. We're pretty transparent about the fact that you know we know not everyone listens to every episode because if you don't know the movie or you haven't seen the movie, like asking you to go out and like buy or rent or see something new that it may not be your cup of tea is going to be hard to. It's a hard ask. So I get that. Once again, though, we did get a couple comments throughout the year from people saying, like, it's really expensive to try to keep up with the podcast. People, please allow me to reiterate, use your public library or like (laughs) streaming services and not necessarily like ones you're paying for. Like, I don't know if you guys have Canopy in the United States, but there's like there's free services that you can get access to films through. And I encourage you to seek those out, particularly if you're not sure about the movie. You're like, don't. Don't be like Trace and blind buy everything. So, uh, yeah, um, uh, again, we're almost done with the statistics, but um, only 75% of listeners listen to the full episode, which leads me to believe that people tend to cut us off before we do housekeeping, which is fine. I mean, I know it's most of the same shit, different day, but, you know, just remember, we do announce the film we're covering next week at the end of the housekeeping. I was going to say, yeah, so we're going to give you shit if you then ask us, like, hey, what's the movie next week? It's like, people. <laughs> we're like one of the few that actually announce it every week like we tell you what we're going to cover the next episode on also it's homework for you so you can watch the movie but yeah i mean that's that's really about all, all the, the important statistics stuff so before we go into listener questions or really just questions we have for whatever we're just gonna date um mm-hmm. but i did want to announce the winner of the contest <gasps> yes. 
Yes, oh my yes, god. Yes. We could have said it at the end of the episode, but I figured why not just do it now? That way people can, like, you know, just turn us off if they want to turn us off. So, the winner of the reader survey drawing uh, is <sighs> Mr. Oh, uh, I was going to say Mr., but I don't want to gender, but it's Brian Conmey, who picked okay. Martyrs, the original 2008 Pascal Loger film, which we have been talking about discussing for a while. We've just never done it i've been apprehensive about pulling the trigger on this particular title so brian good on you for making, <laughs> making us do me it. revisit murders and thank god you did not pick the american remake <laughs> oh god. well I, I and i own the american remake on blu-ray and it's not terrible it's just you know it's better than the inside remake i'll give it that well this is a low bar to clear but That's i will true. take it um unless y'all think that we are um liars and that we will not cover this film i can tell you that this episode on martyrs will drop on February 19th, which is a Wednesday. There we go. So hold it to us. February 19th, perfect Valentine, post-Valentine's Day <laughs> viewing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, cuddle up on the couch Valentine's Day and watch Martyrs. Yeah. I haven't seen it probably since college because it's not a pleasant experience to watch, but I lo- it's a five-star film for me. I love it. I'm excited to revisit it. Yeah, I think it'll be good. I'm going to set up a therapist appointment for the day after I watch it, and then we'll yeah. be good to go. All right, so that's all the boring statistics out of the way. Now we're going to go into the juicy questions. Yeah, mm, juicy. Okay. Um, I actually don't like that word, juicy. It's like, you know how most people feel about moist? Mm-hmm. I feel that way about juicy. It's like um, in porn, whenever like cum is referred to as boy juice, like I don't like that. It's like really gross to me. Wait, wait, wait. Who had, let me, let me timestamp this. 23 minutes. Who had approximately 20-ish minutes until Trace brought up the cum? Anybody? Anybody? Did you win a raffle ticket? Okay. I mean, based on those reader responses, like the people want want what they want, and it's me talking about cum. Oh, I'm just gonna retire back to my fainting couch and let you do the talking for a little bit then. No, I'll let you answer the first one, um, and then I'll go back to me. <laughs> Joe, what has been the best thing about doing horror queers as a podcast? Ah, so sweet. It's like a beautiful, beautiful little question. Enjoy it now. All right. <laughs> so the number one thing that I identified as being great is that I get to hang out with you. Oh my god, I didn't even have that as a possible answer. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, it's because you're a piece of shit. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, so beside that obvious piece where, you know, you and I get to hang out and we riff and we have lots of fun and sometimes you get too drunk and then it causes me anxiety. Yeah. All that fun stuff. I think the main one for me, again, a little bit obvious, I really enjoy interacting with our listeners. And I say this not at all facetiously, but I really enjoy hearing from people, getting different takes, getting educated, being sassed. There's a fair amount of sassing that's been going on with listeners, which I love. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're, we're sassy. We're pretty sassy, I think. And I think your sass is a bit more on point than mine is. I still have to like, work on my skills. But yeah, I think like you know we dish it out. We have to take it too exactly yes uh so i just enjoy all of those interactions in part because as great as doing a podcast can be sometimes it feels like we do it in a vacuum and so when you actually hear from people about the things that you've said oftentimes which i feel like you and i have forgotten we ever said in the first place oh god i know it's uh it's it's enjoyable and it's fun it makes it feel like more of a conversation so you and i get to have a conversation but then we get to have different kinds of conversations with the listeners so that's why we started the facebook group for the podcast so we could interact easier because no one was emailing us 
and why we actually finally fucking started a Twitter account for the podcast. So people can tag mm-hmm. us instead of using the hashtag horror queers, which reminds me I need to change my script in the housekeeping now. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you can now get to us both with one easy tag, which is just at horror queers. Yeah, it's pretty great. Um, my, my response was basically the same thing. I said, other than getting to watch horror movies constantly, which is like apparently all I do now, it's been really great to connect with so many queer and, again, as evidenced by that survey, non-queer fans uh, and listeners yeah. throughout various social media channels. Also, whenever we get one that's like, like we got one the other day um, from someone who said, you know, it's been a really hard year, but this podcast has helped me get through a lot. Like, that's... That's what I yeah. like. And it's not it's not like a oh good good on us, like oh like we're awesome, but it's like I know I come across as like a selfish asshole a lot and like narcissistic and I, I mean I am, but like you are. Yeah. I I like like I, that makes me feel selfless. Like it's like it, I, I'm not happy about that because like it, it makes me feel good because like that we could touch someone that way. That makes any sense. Yeah, I, it's the idea that we're putting something out in the world that makes people feel happier, it makes their lives a little bit easier. I like to think that part of the reason that people are also enjoying that Facebook group is because it's not just us. Like, you can actually connect with fellow listeners, get movie recommendations, get mm-hmm. breakup advice, you know, just chat about shit. Like, it's just really enjoyable. I agree with that. So, moving on then, Joe, what is one thing that you have learned about podcasting over the last year? <laughs> uh, so, so much. <laughs> I remember when we started this and I was trying to sell you on it. I believe that we were very, (laughs) we maybe didn't understand just what we were getting ourselves into. Yeah. (laughs) Before we began recording, we were actually going over the breakdown of just how many episodes we put out in our first year between the 53 main feed episodes, the 20 something patron episodes, the mid teen number of minisodes. It's been a lot of recording folks. So uh, I guess one of the things that I didn't realize is that it just takes a lot of time and that seems obvious in hindsight but i remember going into it thinking you just record and then you spend about the same amount of time editing and then you just like throw it up online and people will consume it and shockingly enough that is not the case that that was my exact answer i said it is time consuming i love it like i i i've gotten a bit not as hyped about editing as i was because i actually used to really enjoy editing whenever we started it but um listeners just to to give you like a peek behind the curtain it takes me about an hour to edit anywhere from 20 to 30 minutes of audio so like that black christmas episode was when we recorded it was two hours and 10 minutes Uh, i got it down to like hour 58 but like that took me about five hours to edit (laughs) Mm -hmm. and partially is that if we could learn how to speak like normal human beings and not say like and um and start sentences and stop sentences our editing would be easier but let's be honest that's just not who we are i have started getting better about like 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 if leaving in some of the ums because i used to make a real nazi about it and be like no every single um has to go every single pause has to go it has to be like gilmore girl style speed like quick 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 and I've gotten a little bit more lax about it. Um, I found that if I drink when I'm editing, I'm way more lax about it. (laughs) (laughs) Gee, what a shocker. (laughs) Actually, that's a good point, though. So one of the other things that I feel like I learned over the last year is that having good audio really matters. Mm -hmm. It's something that I feel like I knew beforehand, but I'm really happy with the quality that we usually deliver. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... Most often. And then listeners, most of you may already know this, but again, in case you don't, for some reason, Joe lives in Canada. I live in Austin, so we do not have a studio. We don't record in the same room. I record in my guest bedroom. Joe records in his living room. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, 
so like when we record like it's like it's we're not seeing each other like we don't do it over skype we do it over a system that doesn't do video stuff and it's for a remote podcast i think our sound quality is fairly like most some people think we're in the same room sometimes so i'll take it yeah and then the the final thing that i've learned about podcasting is that i don't think i will ever get used to the sound of my own voice I thought I would over time. I thought I'd be like, you know what? It's not that bad. Nope. Still fucking hate it. See, I love the sound of my own voice. I think I'm great. Yes. I think that extends to more than just your own voice though, right? Probably. I love everything about myself. No, I, yeah. I have insecurities. I just don't talk about them. Um, <laughs> That's healthy. You should, I know. should see someone that, about that. <laughs> that that should have been a question from someone. That should have been what what is an insecurity that people wouldn't expect from you. I don't know what I would answer off the top of my head, but I have them. I have insecurities. <laughs> like, hmm. I think you just did. Didn't you? Uh, <laughs> Yeah, right. Uh, I also said, yeah. Well, um, also, I, I put um, what, I, what I learned about podcasting is I'm managing our expectations about honestly how many listeners we would have out the gate. Uh, I think we thought yeah. that we were going to have like initially like a lot more. And as with any new podcast, because what's the stat? It's like, it's like thousands of podcasts every month, like new ones come up. And like 90% of them don't make it past three episodes because they expect, you know, oh, immediately like thousands of listeners. Yeah. And it takes more time than that, most of the time, unless you're, like, super famous. It does. And we say this acknowledging the privilege that we have as being part of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Like, oh, yeah. we, we got support right out of the gate. And we, I remember we had a lot of discussions in those first couple of months, like, why aren't these numbers higher? Why, why aren't we doing better? And mm-hmm. we actually just had to accept the fact that, you know what, these numbers are what they are. As long as we're happy with it, as long as we're getting what we want out of it and the people who are listening to us get what they want, then we're fine. But it took us a while. Like, we were very jaded and idealistic early on. We were cocky. Yeah, we were. But No, but but honestly, our listener base has grown. I I keep track of all of our numbers every quarter. Like, we have grown. um, Like, average 30-day download numbers, like, it's grown, like, 150% since we started. So, yeah, I mean, like, I'm taking that as a win. And also, I mean, just, it's queer horror. It's, queer is a niche, horror is a niche, queer horror is an even smaller niche. So, Mm -hmm. it's just, like, kind of the role we play. But, you know, like you said, I'm happy with what we have because I've made, just seeing people connect over it. And seeing people yeah. respond the way they have. So that's that's my big thing. And the growth in numbers suggests that you folks are liking what you're hearing and you're recommending it to other people. So we really appreciate that. So thanks for all the reviews, the likes, and telling other people like, hey, listen to this drunk idiot talk about his cum fetish. Yeah, exactly. Which is, that, I hope that's exactly how all of you sell it. Um, yes. But also thanks to all of our guests who, like, you know, shared their like, mm. shared it when they were on it. Um, our guest spots on uh, Consequence of Sounds, uh, Halloweenies podcast. Kill by Kill. Kill by Kill. Yeah, all of that. Like, I mean, all that really helps a lot. So thank everyone who has been a part of our growth over this first year. Yes. All right. So shall we move on to the next question? Yes. Go, so hey, so Joe has talking about a film. <laughs> I, I, I was like, I'll just keep asking them. It's totally fine. Okay. Um, has talking about a film on the podcast changed your mind about a film for better or worse? Yes, I can say unequivocally this has happened in part because I never had any plans to watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation, Seed of Chucky, or Jason Goes to Hell, and ended up loving all three of those movies. So mm-hmm. really, without this podcast, I would still be in the dark about their beauty and love. But that's not the one that I'm going to highlight. I'm going to say Cemetery Man was actually the film that I think benefited from being an episode of the podcast the most, because I really 
didn't know how I felt about it. And if I hadn't had to record something on it, I probably would have just dismissed it or given up because it seemed like it was a lot of time and energy to unpack it. But knowing that we had to talk about it, I put in the work and I came to appreciate it. I don't love the movie, but from where I was when I first watched it to where we talked about it, I had a much greater appreciation for it. Well, if listeners listen to that episode of the show, um, I watched that fucking movie twice and talked about it on the podcast, and I still don't like it. <laughs> well, you can not like something and still feel like you, well, maybe changed your mind. I, or... Yeah, it's it's Italian horror, man. I, it's it's. I'm still trying. I'm trying to get into it. It's just really hard for me. Yeah, mine too. Uh, so, change for the better. Films I had seen before that I wasn't crazy about, and I when we talked about them and rewatched them, like, I really ended up liking them a lot. It was The Rage, Carrie Two, mm. and Seed of Chucky. Those are the two where I was like, oh, I came out of the discussion like, actually, really the viewings of like being forced to watch them again, and then of course discussion that made me like them even more. So yeah, those are two big ones for me. It's interesting, right? I mean, sometimes you watch a movie one time and you think, Gah. and then. It's only when you've watched it a number of times or when you've actually had a conversation with people about it, you start to realize, okay, you know what? Maybe I didn't give it a fair shake the first time. Exactly. All right. So moving on to the next category of guests. Uh, Joe, who is your big get to ha- as a guest on this show? Okay. So just to piggyback on what you had said a couple of moments ago, I've actually felt really good about the guests that we've had on the show. Mm -hmm. Some have been a very high profile. Some have been very niche, but they've given us just like such great insight. So again, big thanks to all the people who helped us out in that first year. Now, if I could go pie in the sky, I feel like you went celebrity and I went industry. I'm not sure for sure. No, that's that's true. My my top three would be Dorothy Snarker. She's uh, basically one of the big former head writers of After Ellen, and she has her her own website now, but she's like a super, super prominent lesbian, and I think she's really funny. Uh, my other pick was Latoya Ferguson, who occasionally writes for the AV Club, and mm-hmm. she's big into television, so I feel like if there's certain horror queer television things that we do in the future i would want to get her and the final person i would love to get is eric siska from we hate movies because i think he's the funniest member of that troupe and i just love really yeah he's my favorite i would not have guessed that um wow okay i mean that's a surprise to me hmm not, not that you want him but like like that he's your favorite out of the four in that show actually you know what though no because that makes sense (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I think his humor and my humor are somewhat similar. Yeah, yeah, that 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 tracks. Um, yeah, I went celebrity. I didn't, and I didn't even go for queer people. Well, maybe I don't know. Maybe one of them is. Um, so again, if you listen to Speed Dating, the first one last year, um, my big get would be Elijah Wood because um, mm. I would fangirl so hard over him. Y'all, everyone knows I have a boner for him. I I hope he's gay. No one knows, but I hope he is. It's hilarious how it sounds like you don't even want him to guest on the podcast. You just want to be able to fangirl over him, which you could do because he lives in Austin. No, I want to have sex with him. <laughs> like that's that's what yes. I want to do. So your big get is who you want to sleep with, whereas mine is like, yes, we're talking about a podcast. And my second guess is also in the same category because it's Josh Hutcherson. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. You know what? We're moving on. We're moving on. Done with you. <laughs> I love Josh Hutcherson. Um, and he's a big ally. He's adorable. I love it. You could put the two of them one in each pocket and you could oh. just walk around. Trust me, when we get to who our like what our what our types are, like it'll that that'll play that'll play a factor. Yeah, I'm I'm shocked. Shocked. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joe. How do we decide which film uh to program each week? Okay, feel free to jump in. 
Yeah. I, I'm just going to say it's a bit more of a process than you folks might imagine at home. So we <laughs> actually have an annual calendar and we've actually already got the entire year. So we've got 2020 all mapped out. We've got every single week already planned. And you and I go back and forth on this trace. So yeah. we'll often start and then the other one will parachute in and be like, mm, what about this? We're often keeping an eye on significant anniversaries. So you probably noticed that last year we had a lot of films from 1999 because they were celebrating their 20th anniversary. Oh my God, is that why that happened? Oh. (laughs) Uh, And then, of course, we're also looking for that good mix of diversity. So we don't want to have too many gay films back to back or lesbian films. No, but you forget, we also look at the films that are the horror films that are being released at the time. So like, Mm -hmm. you know, when we did the Seed of Chucky episode to drop the week the Child's Play remake dropped, you know. So yeah, we'll look at anniversaries, we'll look at release dates. Also to help tie in with the Patreon, because again with the Patreon we do two new release two new horror releases every month. Um but yes, so continue with your um mix of topics. Oh, okay. So uh hopefully people also notice that we are trying to not just be North American assholes so we try to include a little bit of foreign films we try to do some older films as well as newer films to make sure that we're we don't like to say like we're giving people an education because we actually did get one comment i think we've mentioned this before somebody (laughs) gave us a review that said it was like being taken to film school and we were trying to establish our horror cred (laughs) a horror cred it was when we 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 had like a bunch it was in april and we had like fatal frame and calvair and I think Dead Ringers maybe was a part of that. Right. Otto was probably in and around there too. Oh, yeah. Yes, correct. Yeah, it was a stretch of films where yeah, it was lesser known, more obscure films. All easily findable, by the way. But <laughs> but yeah, uh, that person was not a fan of that stretch of time. It was like a whole month of just like slightly obscure films. Yeah, so we tried to take that into consideration. So we go with a mix of fun films, hard films, serious films, foreign films, North American films, and then we're always trying to make sure that we don't have too many in a row that are of the same ilk. And Which, of course, we also don't want to have too many that aren't explicitly gay related because yeah, we like to and, think that that's the mandate of the podcast. And unfortunately, a lot of January and February, you'll see, is a lot of lesbian films that is unintentional, but that is kind of how it worked out. That's not unfortunately. <laughs> not, not, not because we don't like lesbians, but because, like, yeah, there's not really a diverse like array of sexuality. It's mostly lesbian films. Yes. But the films themselves are quite diverse in terms of their representations of lesbians. Yes. <laughs> Um, oh boy well we also uh, we have like a to cover list because whenever people say oh cover this like i'll add it to the list but i also have it divided up uh, between um old and obscure old and well-known new and obscure new and well-known and new is like anything post 1990 so that way like we can pull from those lists when we're trying to like divide like, like make sure everything's kind of like fairly evened out on like the types of films we're covering and then of course we also mentioned that we've got the patreon so we're thinking about like how do things complement the new episodes and vice versa and then Mm -hmm. we also have our article series which is going to be coming back this month and so we're we're trying to think of like how to balance all of the different content to cover our bases but also to make sure that people are getting different types of things yeah okay well so joe we've talked about the listeners favorite and least favorite episodes so let's talk about Mm -hmm. our favorite and least favorite episodes um okay what's your favorite episode that we've done Okay, uh, so, yeah, 53 episodes, it's a lot to think about, and I tried to come up with something that I felt was 
something that people might not expect. So I'm going to take us back nearly to the beginning and say that Cherry Falls with Brennan Klein is a really great episode. And I feel like it's because it's an early episode that's representative of what we eventually discover to be our strengths. So it's got that deep production history. It's an oddball film choice that maybe not everybody knows. We've got a bunch of objectification of men in there and a whole bunch of weird tangents. So I feel like it's a sample of what we discovered we would eventually become later in the year. I agree. Um, I think that's a, it's not my pick, but it's, it is a really good episode. I, our show has evolved a lot in terms of structure, especially, I mean, like, you know, if y'all go back and listen to one of our first episodes, it's like, you know, two minutes of plot recap. And then we just talk about stuff. Obviously now that's very different. And we have like an hour and 15 minutes of plot recap. And then we talk about some stuff afterwards. (laughs) Yeah, I still have no idea how that happened. <laughs> well, I don't really know either, but basically the reason we did that, everyone, is because we learned that if we waited until after like the plot summary to like talk about things, we would forget. So we just said, you know, why don't we do a more in-depth plot summary and we'll talk about things as they come up instead of trying to like, save it all for the end. Mm-hmm. And also, the longer the plot recap, the more fun we were able to have because mm-hmm. it drew out a lot of the silly elements that we wanted to talk about. Yeah. What's your pick? I picked, so I, I cheated too, but I picked Cursed um, okay. with uh, Tim O'Leary and I Know Who Killed Me with Anthony Hudson. But right. I mean, they're both great and those were really fun episodes to record. But I also just really like going through like the production history timelines that I put together for Cursed especially. But for, but for I Know Who Killed Me, it was the Lindsay Lohan, like two years of her life leading up to I Know Who Killed Me. <laughs> I just think those are really fun to go through and like trace like the timelines of like how this came to be. How did this happen? What, 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 what fucked up here? Well, one of the other things actually I neglected to mention when you asked earlier, but one of the other fun things that I feel like we discovered along the way is that there is a certain responsibility to doing the podcast. I don't know if you feel this way, but I, I feel like it's our prerogative to make sure that we're trying to be factually correct as often as possible mm-hmm. by doing our research. Like you and I both really enjoy doing deep dives into these films, finding different types of readings, reading reviews and that kind of stuff. So I like the films that have a lot of that can be really fun to dig into. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. And also like m- making people go back and rewatch. I know who killed me, you know, because some people would write it off and others might like and if we make you rewatch it, you might be like, Oh, yeah, it's bad, but it's really fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like between that episode and our Black Christmas 2006 episode, we mm-hmm. got a lot of people being like, I'm secretly a fan of this movie and have been for so long and no one ever gives it any credit <laughs> that's the power of the internet though like i mean that's just like i mean jennifer's body probably wouldn't have has had as much of a resurgence if social media wasn't such a big thing right now mm-hmm. i mean mm-hmm. right now like over the past 10 years yeah for sure all right one episode you wish got more love or more downloads or just more attention on the socials okay so i've said this before and i'm gonna say it again fuckers i really feel like lyle is our first really genuinely mm-hmm. hilarious episode so that's the episode that has stacy from gay lords of darkness and it's just it's back when we were babies and we didn't always know what we were doing but i feel like the combination of stacy's love for like birthing pools and the jokes that we made about scat and just the loving uh, Stuart Thorndike and wishing that she would make another movie. I just think that Lyle is a really good episode, and I wish that more people would seek that film out. 
I agree. It's like it, 68 it, it, fucking minutes, people. Yeah, it's it, it's barely <laughs> over an hour long. I think it, back at, when we recorded, it was free on Amazon Prime. I mean, free if you pay for Amazon Prime. It might still be the case there. But yeah, go watch. It's a, it's a lesbian Rosemary's Baby. I do think that Swim Fan, which came out before that, was our first really funny episode. But I, I agree with you. Lyle's a really good Fair. one. Um, my choice was actually, and this is mostly based on download numbers. They're not low, but like they're not they're lower than I thought they would be for Psycho Two. Oh, mm. and I picked it only because not because I think it's a bad episode. Because I mean, I, I I think it's like a particularly like, great episode. Although Michael Verratti is on that episode, and he's really good. But I just think more people should watch that movie. Yeah. <laughs> so I was hoping that by covering that movie, like more people would like watch it. Uh, everyone, Psycho Two is a really fucking good sequel, and you should all watch it and then go so listen to that good. episode. Anthony Perkins, man, he's, yeah, it's, it's great. It's a legitimately really good film. And particularly for the people who like to complain about sequels just being pale imitations of their original, there's a film that fucking dares to break the mold. Mm -hmm. While also like kind of dipping its toes into, but also resisting the 80s slasher like craze. Mm -hmm. It's like, there's one scene that like does it, and then it's like it's just like it's done after that. It's really, really good. It's a really fun movie. Obviously, not as good as the first one, but it's really good. Yeah, it'd be interesting if that film came out today. I bet you people would be like, hmm, you know, it's really good, but they shouldn't call it Psycho Two because it's just not a very like that's not really what the film is. <laughs> God, of course. <laughs> I love the internet. <laughs> Ugh, it makes me so angry. All right, Joe. So least favorite episode and why or if you want to rephrase it what is an episode that you wish we could re-record and why okay so this is a tough one and again i've talked about this a couple of times i feel like lake placid is probably one of our least successful episodes and i feel really bad that we invited brian on for it and then just kind of gave him this dud so mm-hmm. i don't think it's a terrible film and i don't think I the do. episode itself is bad it's just that it's not it turned out to be a film with nothing memorable to discuss. Yeah. I remember really enjoying that film, but when we went to sit down and record on it, it was just like there. Yeah. It was and yeah. So I feel really bad. We talked about having Brian come back and maybe do something else, but I think in at the end of the day, that one and maybe the episode with Otto or the episode on Otto with Kyle, I think that one just got a little bit too theoretical at points, and we maybe could have had a bit more fun. So if we were going to re-record one, I'd probably do Otto. If we could pick a different film, like go back in time, I'd probably mm-hmm. switch out Lake Placid for something better. So I have two for re-records, although one of these is my least favorite episode. Um, I actually, as much as I love Scream, and I'm so happy that all of y'all like think Scream is like your, it's your favorite episode of ours, that is my least favorite episode because... That was, our, again, our first main ep- like film that we covered. Mm-hmm. And I had like an outline of a structure of how I wanted the show to go. Oh and I God, think that yes. it shows or it's you can hear it in that episode where it's like, I feel like we sound stilted. I don't, And it's also a short episode. And it's now a, we will transition over to yes. the next point. I think it's a 52-minute <laughs> episode, too. So it's probably our shortest main feed episode, um, which maybe that's also why people like it. Because <laughs> we have been running long lately. Um, what are you people trying to tell us? But, um, yeah, it's I would re-record it. Um, but, you know, hopefully we'll do right by the sequels. Keep listening for more information on that. Um, mm-hmm. But I would also, and this is just me personally, I would love to re-record our X-Files I Want to Believe episode. Because if y'all didn't listen to that, um, that was the episode my husband guested on. And I made the silly decision to not eat before I recorded that. And also pour myself a very large glass of uh, Bullet before we started. And then I drank it throughout the episode. And so about... 80 minutes in, you can just hear me go from, like, kind of fine to, like, belligerently drunk. 
And I ended up cutting 20 minutes out of the episode. So I would absolutely uh, love to re-record that with me being 100% sober. Yes. And if you want to hear that footage, which will never hit the light of day, uh, just send Trace nudes to the horrorqueers <laughs> at gmail.com. No, we've discussed this. We might release the uncut X-Files episode as a bonus on the Patreon. I just don't know when. <laughs> <laughs> and that is again an hour and 40 minute episode that you'll get two hours of so it's 20 minutes longer um that the, the real director's cut right yes <laughs> it's just it's just andrew and i being like trace go home you're drunk i'm pretty much i mean it's it, the first half i'm fine but yeah that last are, half yeah. is just like terrible yeah it really falls off a cliff towards the end it's embarrassing for me um mm-hmm. so yeah it's fine the next section we have is for personal questions and we only have one so <laughs> No, we don't. We have more. Oh, well, okay, so I have, what have you learned about the other person that you didn't know before? Okay. Uh, so many things I have learned about you over the mm-hmm. year. I've learned that you like television a lot more than I would have initially anticipated. And I feel like people don't always know that about you. Like you'll sometimes talk about CW television shows, but you, I actually thought going into this that you were like the movie guy and I was the TV guy. And then I discovered mm-hmm. that you watch, I think, think more tv than i do it's which used to be impressive and now is not impressive because i don't watch any tv now (laughs) (laughs) i have no time i have two podcasts i watch a lot of ya films and a lot of freelance oh yeah because you also have to read books though for your other podcasts yes yeah 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 good times i've learned that you were also taller than i expected for some reason i always thought that we were the same height until about a month before i arrived in austin and then i realized that you're quite a bit taller than me so i'm actually quite short wait how tall are you you're five eight five seven five seven i think i think Mm -hmm. andrew's five six i'm five eleven yeah oh yeah listeners let us how tall do we sound (laughs) (laughs) how big are our feet wait no that's feet fetish stuff never mind i'm ten and a half eleven depending on the shoe (laughs) boring content cut that out no that's funny people really into feet it's a thing um um, well what i learned about you mine aren't as like sweet i feel really bad yeah because you're the cunt you keep telling people that you're the nice one you're not the nice one um you're not as much of a stick in the mud as i thought you were going to be based on just you how i like based on your articles and how like we interacted beforehand i mean that in the nicest way no i I thought that you were going to be a bit more rigid like prim and proper yeah, kind of. Uh, and you've proven to be a bit more fun and carefree. I mean, not like really carefree. Like, don't like you know, like don't go crazy. <laughs> but no, you, it, it's been a treat to like get to know you over the year. And I feel like you think that you come across that way, and you don't. It's just I. I think that the podcasts are a good way for you to like express that and break out of that maybe stigma. I don't know, stereotype of like what what you think people think of you. That's fair. I, I, yeah, I've actually been told, I think one of the funniest comments I ever got working in a professional atmosphere was I sent a woman an email and then I met her for a meeting a couple of days later. And when I came through the door, she was like, oh, I thought you were going to be a 60 year old man. Yes. And so, and granted, you are a very good writer, but you do write more sternly, I guess mm-hmm. is how I would put it. Like, I don't know a better word to use. So it was, again, a pleasure to, like, get to know you, like, on a spoken term, on spoken terms, right. so I could, like, fill in the blanks. It's a bit more personality, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, I mean, but that makes you a better writer, whereas, like, for me, I'm not as good of a writer because I, I very much, like, it's not stream of consciousness, but I, I, 
if you read my articles, like that's like how I sound in mm-hmm. real life or like, how how I talk. I feel like I don't think that's a I don't think that's a detriment though. I think it's just a preference. Like, I don't sound as intellect intellectual. We'll put it that way. But I also the other thing I learned about you, which is a joke one. Um, you can't pronounce basic English words for shit or names or anything. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyone who listens to any episode will know that Joe will uh, frequently say words the wrong way. But I did want to drop an anecdote because uh, recently Joe is being used saying the word divisive mm-hmm. as divisive, and to the point where when I heard him say it, I was like, "Oh fuck, that must be how you say it." And I didn't even think to question him and be like. Oh, you're saying it wrong because I just thought that I had been saying it wrong my entire life. So, <laughs> so I said divisive once at some point to Andrew, uh, and Andrew was like, "That's not what are you how, saying. That's not how you say that." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, it is divisive." So yeah, that's. I thought that was really funny, but um, that you, I, I, why, why wouldn't I have even said like, Joe, are you saying that right? I don't know, but that's fine. Admittedly, it's because you often challenge me on a lot of stuff, and sometimes I just tell you to shut the fuck up because it's really annoying, but you are fair in questioning me because I do often mispronounce things, and I don't even know how I've gotten to be an adult because somehow I've been doing this the whole time and no one else has said anything. (laughs) Because they probably think that you're saying it right and that they're wrong. (laughs) Because no one would say divisive unless they actually thought that was the right way to say it. So if you listen to the American Horror Story Asylum episode, I'm pretty sure we both say divisive at least twice. Look, all I'm saying is that the way that I say things is very divisive. (laughs) Fuck. Um, (laughs) Okay. So now we have the movies that we like and don't like. Okay, yeah. So, uh, Joe, what is a movie that you cannot believe that I like? So we... (laughs) We both use Letterboxd, so I feel like we just scoured each other's scores to find a movie that would draw our our ire. So the movie that I have selected, it's not a horror film, but I just, I can't agree with you on this movie. You, in your top films of all time, five-star film for you, three billboards outside Epping, Missouri. Oh, you didn't even go horror, you just went like a film. Okay. Yeah, no, I really like. I I feel like the backlash against that movie hit like when it started getting award buzz, and like, yeah, I really liked it though. Yeah, I find that movie racist, and I don't like it at all. A lot of people do. I didn't really get that from it, but you know, that's fine. <laughs> and you? I didn't think of a. I didn't think to expand beyond like horror, so I just did horror. So when I scoured your letterbox, um, the big one, which I've already discussed, it was actually Jason Goes to Hell. I'm like, I cannot believe that you like that movie. And it's a genuine like, not an ironic like. It is a genuine like. I really enjoyed watching that movie. And the I also just as like a runner up, which I I do like this movie. Because my thing was, I was looking at these and I was like, okay, what movie can I not believe that you like? Because it's a movie that I didn't think that you would under like you and everything I know about you. Like I'm surprised that you specifically like like this movie. So a lot of the ones where you were giving them high marks, I was like, okay, well that makes sense that Joe would like that movie because it just seemed like something he would like. Black Sheep was the other one that I was a little surprised that because you've talked about it before the podcast, but you really like that movie. <laughs> oh, I fucking love that movie. <laughs> Love it. I think it's really fun, but it just again, I'm just surprised, which gives me hope for whenever you finally get to see Zombievers. I mean, I'm excited. Yeah. I'm tentatively excited. All right. Okay. So another a movie that you cannot believe that I hate. So hilariously enough, my pick was Jason Goes to Hell. Because this seems <laughs> like such a trace movie. It's dumb. It's got great gore. It doesn't make a lot of sense. 
it totally sounds like it's up your alley, and yet you gave it two stars. And then hilariously enough, I also said, how come Chief Willoughby? Because I was trying to reference the fact that you also like three billboards outside Epping, Missouri. Ugh, okay. Um, funny, it's a callback. Well, mine for you. I know it is. I know it's a callback. I know it's a callback. But mine for you, a lot of these where I was like, okay, I because you, you hate a lot of movies that I do like a lot, but it's like, I would expect you to not like a lot of these movies. So the one exactly. that I picked that I was like, you know what? I think you need to give it a second chance. I mean, besides Dr. Sleep, which, you know, we, we discussed that on the Patreon, but wrong turn to dead end. Uh, we had mentioned it briefly before, but like, that's yeah. a really like, I mean, it's not like a five-star movie or anything, which I actually may have given it four stars on Letterboxd, but um, it's really good. And you gave it like a two. And I think you need to reevaluate that because that seems like a movie that you should enjoy a lot more. Hmm. I'm trying to think of the last time I watched it. Because you're, you're right, it probably does sound like I normally would have given it slightly higher, like maybe a three, but mm-hmm. I don't know if maybe I was just casually watching it and being like, nah, this movie's pretty stupid. If it got the two, that was most definitely for the gore. And yeah. it might be like, everything else around it is bad. It leans into comedy a little bit more than the first one, so it becomes more aware of how dumb it is, which is why I'm surprised that you didn't like it as much. Uh, yeah, so maybe I do need to give it another go. Yeah. All right. Uh, One movie that you cannot believe that I haven't seen. Okay. So this was a tough one. You actually don't have a lot of movies on your watch list, which leads me to believe that's not how you use. Yeah. Yeah. So I I picked a regular film and a genre film. So I think you would highly enjoy. This isn't like an outrage. This is a, I think you would legitimately enjoy this movie and I would encourage you to watch it. Mm -hmm. Your regular film is Short Term 12 with Brie Larson. Oh, it's on my list. Le- Trust me. It's a I really want to watch legitimately, it. Legitimately. Yeah, it's just a, it's a really good film. I think you'll mm-hmm. like it. And then your genre film, and I I feel like the reason you haven't seen this one is because it is foreign, it's Korean. I feel like you're trepidatious that you've heard good things but you're not going to like it, and that's I saw the devil. Yes. Uh it's also two and a half hours long, but it is on my list to see. Um and I do want to watch it. It's just like it's yeah, two and a half yeah. hours long foreign subtitle film. Like I got to be in the mood. <laughs> Yeah, the running time is the detriment to that film. But apart from that, it's probably one of the best cat and mouse chase, like adrenaline movies okay. I've seen in a good long time. So highly I'll, recommend. I'll take it. Short Term 12 and uh, I Saw the Devil. Mine for you, Mr. Cronenberg Nut, is The Fucking Fly. <laughs> I still can't believe that. Like, we discussed that back in the Dead Rings episode. I you dropped that, that like a movie. bomb on you. I think, it, I think it actually came out in The Brood, so it wasn't even oh. the first time we talked about Cronenberg, and then you were like, you haven't seen The Fly? <laughs> I just, I legit, I mean, I've never seen The Fly 2, which I've heard is bad, but it kind of has like a new fan base coming around now. But yeah, no. the, like, I cannot believe you haven't seen The Fly. I know. I don't even know why. I it's just one of those things where I just never did and yeah. haven't made a reason to see it. Well, make yeah, a reason, I, know. I guess. <laughs> I know. I should rectify it. Uh, all right. So I okay. think we're going into listener questions now, right? Yes. All right. Mr. Nathan Ashby asks, what's your favorite horror movie? I feel like this isn't going to surprise anybody, but it's either Hellraiser or Candyman. And mine Scream too. So easy, easy, easy. There we go. We are predictable as fuck. <laughs> Nathan also writes... What was your first horror movie memory? And I'll take this one first. Okay. Not anything exciting, but I remember my parents renting Hocus Pocus when I was four years old, and I really wanted to watch it, not knowing what it was about. And 
it was the first time I remember being told I could not watch a movie because mm. I remember walking in the bedroom, like we got it at Blockbuster and I was like, oh, I want to watch that. And they were like, well, we have to watch it first to see because it was like about witches. And my, you know, I grew up really Catholic. <laughs> and we've talked about your mom. <laughs> yeah, and my mom. Uh, but I remember like they're watching it in their bedroom like on a Sunday morning and I walk in and I'm like, can I watch it? And they both look at me like, and they're like halfway through the movie and they just shake their head and go, no. And I didn't get to see it until like three years later. And it was basically, it was the, um, the headless zombie Billy played by, I think, Doug Jones. Uh, yes. that was the big, like, no, this four-year-old cannot watch this movie. <laughs> Probably a good call, all things considered. I mean, it's not really a scary film, but at four, seeing somebody's head come off? Yeah. Probably not great. It And it's, it, it is a family horror film. I mean, it's which is trying to, they're sucking the lives out of children. <laughs> this is true, yeah. Darker than you remember. Yeah. And mine is a film I've never actually referenced on the podcast before, though I may be talking about it on somebody else's podcast in the near future. That is a 80s horror film called Ghoulies. Oh, Andrew loves those movies. He loves Ghoulies 3, Ghoulies Go to College. <laughs> okay, so I basically remember virtually nothing about this. I think I saw it at a sleepover, which means that I was likely under 10 and probably way too young i just remember that there's some kind of sacrifice there's like a woman in a white gown and a giant knife and you would think based on the cover that it's fun it's got puppets coming out of toilets and so on i do think it's a horror comedy but i just saw it at such a young age it's like imprinted in my mind as this weird terrifying makes no sense kind of thing uh we had to watch uh we watched the first three ghoulies for um one of our horror movie marathons, we had a tiny terror. So we did like both gremlins, um, the first three critters movies and the first three ghoulies movies. Uh, I did not like any of the ghoulies movies. <laughs> they are not good. Well, we've talked about your dislike for puppets before. Also true, but I like gremlins and critters. Right. And zombievers, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Wyatt asks, when did your love for horror manifest in relation to your realization that you were gay, whether just to yourself or coming out? And how long from then did it take before you merged the two? Do you want to go first? Yeah, mine's kind of like not really an answer. I, it wasn't really horror. Um, it was movies in general. Um, I didn't, like I had friends growing up, but I found that I got so into movies because it was an escape from the real world where I could like spend time with characters that, I mean, I, was, I wasn't like, oh, these characters are my friends, but it was like getting out of the world that I was being bullied in and just embracing movies so much. So mm. I guess I didn't really connect it with horror until like later in life. I couldn't even tell you like an exact moment, but movies. I I, I mean I think I, I think in the first beginning I said I, I didn't I didn't realize I was gay until I was like fourteen years old. But I was always like an outsider, uh, especially when I was younger. Like once I came out, I actually became less of an outsider because I was like you know more comfortable in my own skin. And yeah, I think just movies themselves. Like I use movies as, a, as an escape from the world, and that's why I became so fixated on them. And still to this day, I guess really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely understand that. So for me, I don't really have, a, I think my answer is a little bit more contained than yours. So I remember watching horror films, as I said, in the first speed dating with my sister. That was probably when I was about 10 or 11. And I didn't come out until way later than you, or right. like really accept it. So I was uh, 21 when I came out. So despite that somewhere in the middle i think if you look at the way that i made an effort to go out and see all of the slasher films of the second cycle in the late 90s and just how actively i related to those final girls and how much i wanted 
like I wanted to be them. I think to me, that's the kind of telling thing where I said, oh, okay, yes, I think as an audience, we're meant to relate to these girls, but there was something about the Sydneys and the Tatums and, you know, the Helen Shivers where that, I I was just like, hmm, I'm feeling a very strong connection to these girls. Why is that? Right. Maybe it's because I like their hair. Yeah. I mean, I wish I had like a, a deeper, better answer for that, but unfortunately I don't. It's not as poetic as uh, I'm sure people might have imagined. So sorry to crush the illusion for you. <laughs> Um, All right, which horror film or series changed you from a casual viewer to a horror fan? Asks Kevin, and mine is, shocker there, the Scream franchise. (gasps) What? I wouldn't have thought so. I know. (laughs) My answer's kind of the same. I mean, I'm I'm basically just going to ape the previous question, which is all of the films of the second slasher cycle. I didn't even really realize that there was a lot more to horror beyond that. Uh, so I wasn't watching a lot of older horror films. So it was really just those second slasher cycles that I realized, oh, I really enjoyed these films. And then it was only much later that I realized, oh, there's other types of horror films than just slasher films. And I, I was like, you know, growing up in that time. So yeah, like the Urban Legends, Valentines. Um, I know you last summer, like, yeah, those were like what I grew up on. Mm-hmm. Um, so that makes sense. All right, this this next question was kind of hard for me, and then when I got the answer, I was like, oh, like, that makes total sense. So uh, Kevin also asked, which horror film convinced you that horror is art and not just entertainment for the masses? Okay, what did you come up with? I picked The Cell. Ooh, that's a good pick. And because that movie is art, and I don't even remember when I saw it, but I just remember being blown away by how fucking gorgeous the whole thing is and how terrifying it is. Did you see it in theaters? Nope, I did not. I saw it on DVD when I rented it from Netflix. (laughs) <laughs> okay yeah because i was gonna say it's in 99 so it might have made sense that that's right around the time you were going to see some of these horror films but... i would have been 10 when that was in theaters so no that's not the case <laughs> we've discussed that i was not allowed to watch r-rated movies until much later well you still somehow saw all those films but yeah i forget that you saw a lot of them on video yeah because for me like i was going to the theater aggressively during that time right and i i was but not to see horror movies right So for me, it wasn't a timely film. It was actually when I started to go back and watch some of those older films. So I picked out three. One is Don't Look Now, which is the 1973 film that a lot of people know because it's got it's got a a very noticeable sex scene. And then it's got a twist at the end, which I'm not going to say anything more of. But that one is like it's almost not even a horror film because it's so steeped in grief. It's just about this couple that has lost their child and they're you know, waylaid by a mystery that gets a bunch of people killed. Mm. So yes, it's still a horror film, but it's so heavy on the grief. And then Suspiria, 1977, the original, just kind of for the same reason as what you said with The Cell, which is the film is so fucking gorgeous. Like there's nothing to that movie except for the art design. And it's amazing, but that's where all of the tension and the horror comes from. And then the final one is actually Mr. Cronenberg, Videodrome, which I know is a film that you don't love, but just the way that that film dissects the influence of media and it has a really strong sense of nationalism, it really highlighted the idea that films have a distinct uh, geographical feel to them, as well as like that medium is the message. Yeah, that, that, I get that. I hate to rewatch that movie. I just have only seen it once and one day maybe we'll cover it. Who knows? Oh, there's plenty of, like, queer shit in that movie. I mean, I like Debbie Harry. She's great in it. It makes you wish she would act more. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Okay, Nathan asks, uh, what is 
the most overrated horror movie, and I'm, I'm going to rapid fire these because I'm not mm-hmm. going to give any um, explanation. Suspiria, Phantasm, mm-hmm. Rosemary's Baby, The Babadook. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, that was a sample of what we've talked about on a Patreon mini-sode at one point, so yeah. I can't say I'm surprised by any of those. Yeah. And I was tempted to say Jaws, but the truth is, is that it's not overrated. It's just not a film that I enjoy. So I'm going to. I mean, do that something... could be said about any of these movies that I listed too. <laughs> well, this is fair. Yeah, I'm gonna go with one that's maybe contentious. I think the Friday the Thirteenth franchise is overrated. I don't understand the appeal of it. I understand that Jason is an icon, but I think the movies are garbage, and I think they're all really overrated. You and Andrew, it's no wonder y'all got along when you visited. Actually, I should clarify. They're not all garbage. I just talked about how much I like Jason Goes to Hell. <laughs> so they're all garbage except Jason Goes to Hell. That one's good. <laughs> yes, that. That one single one. That is the good one. Um, okay. Cody asks, what would you say is the scariest movie you've ever seen in your adulthood, and what made it scary for you? For me, it is The Descent. And yes. I've oh never been so scared seeing a movie in theaters. And it is on top of the monsters, but the um, the scene when she's stuck in the, mm, like, in the, the, in the tunnel. Yeah. yeah, but it's actually like claustrophobia, which is the it's like fear of like, um, it's because claustrophobia is like a fear of an enclosed space, but like claustrophobia is like the fear of like a tight space where it's like you can't move around in it. Not so much yeah, the fact I that like, you're in like you're losing air, right? Okay. So yeah, that uh, I've never been so like anxious watching mm-hmm. a movie as I have been watching The Descent, right? And mine is the French version of Inside, à l'intérieur. So I watched this at home with a bottle of wine. I was half blitzed, and I remember being so terrified at some of the gore in this new French extremity film that I literally took my feet off the floor at a couple of different points because I was so convinced that someone was going to hack at me. I did not have that experience with that movie. I I really I don't think it's overrated, but I just one of those movies where I'm like I just don't understand like why it's so effective for some people. Like I think I'm just desensitized. I don't know. It it works for me and it's worked for me on rewatches as well. Mm. It's crazy. Okay, Aaron asks, is there a cardinal horror movie cinema sin that can take an otherwise really good movie and ruin the experience for you? I like this question, by the way. It made me I really had to think about it. <laughs> I did too, but my thing is, like, there isn't anything that's going to break a movie for me. Like, n- someone asked me once, and they were like, when characters, maybe we're just making dumb decisions. Like, isn't doesn't it, like, ruin the movie? I'm like, no. Like, it's is it a fault? Yeah, but it doesn't ruin a movie. But the closest for me that things can get, and this maybe more applies to TV shows because it's, like, long form. It's just when characters don't communicate. Like, if if a problem can be solved by one character telling another character one piece of information, mm. and they withhold it for reasons of plot that really bothers me and obviously for tv it matters more because it's like okay well what if you have nine episodes of this thing of this plot problem because one person is not telling someone something else but it happens in movies too i can't think of one off the top of my head but like i just i hate that i hate characters keeping things from each other it really pisses me off yeah yeah it's very frustrating because you especially think like this is not how it would go in real life (laughs) it's exactly just for the sake of drawing this out So for me, I know for a lot of people, I think their response would be the killing of a pet. So that's, that doesn't incredibly bother me. It bothers me more in contemporary films where they're using it as a lazy way to up the ante and be like, this person's a terrible psycho. He killed a dog. The main one for me, though, is CGI. So if Mm -hmm. it can be done with practical effects, it's mostly 
Like, if it's a monster, I really want it to be practical, but I can understand that sometimes it's just not realistic. CGI blood fucking bothers me so much. It's just uncanny. The eye can spot it. So, I like, if squibs are there, just be using those. Don't be going with that CGI bullshit. It just takes me right out of a movie. Yeah, I think CGI blood is a bigger issue for me than, like, a CGI monster. Although the CGI creatures in A Quiet Place, like, almost like ruined the last act for me because like they did so many close-ups on them that i was like it looks so bad like you could yeah. like what for the close-ups why wouldn't you make a practical effect you know like, i get exactly. like, the, like the long shots but like if you're doing a close-up fucking use a practical effect like i want to see like the juices running Blah, juice Blah. Blah. yeah I, i'm right there with you um yeah. okay what film released in the last five years or so would you hypothesize will someday be reconsidered for something it's not obviously so um, asked Wyatt. I think I answered this the wrong way because I said, what films do I think will be maybe reappraised, like Generous Body, um, oh, years okay. later? So um, I think it still kind of works. Would you rather than, yeah, rather than how it's read, I said, okay, what films I think may, might like have a more, have a stronger following or a stronger fan base? I did, well, I did Happy Death Day to You. And I also agree. The Strangers Pray at Night, which I think, Ooh. while not remarkable, I think it's a really fun film and the last act is quite quite good and i think it was really ignored when it came out um also from the director of both 47 meters down movies that's a movie where i'm like you know what it's not as it doesn't scare me like the first one does but it's more fun than the first one is and i had a lot of fun watching it um and i think that's one that maybe people down the road will like kind of latch on to more yeah i'll agree with both yeah, I agree with that sentiment wholeheartedly. So I also, I understood the question, but struggled to really come up with an idea. So yeah. I kind of did my own version as well, which is kind of like future forecasting. What do I think the next five years are going to reveal? And I went right. bigger trends. So I think one thing that'll happen is that we will look back on most of these Stephen King adaptations. And I made the exception of Dr. Sleep. Uh, which is that they will all mostly be re-canonized as not good. Like, they are not good films, and we will not think of them as good films. Well, you think Dr. Sleep is going to be one of those films? I think Dr. Sleep will age well, and people will realize that they should have gone and supported it. Okay, got it, got it. Got it. Sorry, that was not clearly stated. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, everything outside of Dr. Sleep, I think people will go back and be like, you know what, it's just really not that good. So we'll see. And then the other one that I had is that I think we will look back and realize that 2016 was one of the most important years in horror. Well, because a lot of your uh, spoilers for Patreon, but a lot of your best films of the decade were from 2016. <laughs> you betcha. So if people want to question me, take a look at what films came out in 2016. Yeah, there's a lot of garbage, but a lot of really important, really good horror films that kind of set the trends for where we've seen horror go. A lot of them made an impact in 2016. Yeah. Uh, so Joe actually asked, uh, not you, Joe, but a, a listener, Joe, <laughs> um, a listener of ours, but apparently doesn't like horror movies very much. And so she, um, she actually asked us if there's any chance we would do a series or episode on queer themes in Marvel movies or comic book movies outside of Blade Trinity. I don't think that's actually going to happen, Joe. I'm sorry to say I did do a little bit of research and there does seem to be a podcast called Queer Comics. It's called the Queer Comics Podcast. And I didn't listen to it yet, but that seems to be the only thing I can find on comics that looks at like them through a queer perspective. Uh, mm. So maybe check that out. Um, but also thank you for listening to us despite not liking horror. That's that's amazing. 
<laughs> yeah, we do cover some things that aren't as horrific as people maybe expect, but uh, yeah, we're probably not going to spend a lot of time in that Marvel universe because they just haven't. Well, we'll see. We we do the have a Patreon. Yeah, we're hoping to do the new Blade. If the New Mutants ever comes out, oh God. we'll happily cover that for the Patreon. It's just, I don't think that that movie's ever going to come out. I don't think it will either. We'll see in uh, April. Who knows? Makes me so sad. All right. So now we're getting into some personal questions. Let me take a drink of wine. Go ahead. Nathan asks us, are we top, bottom, or verse? Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you were prepared to answer this question, and then I said, let me tell you why I'm not going to address that. Well, okay, so right, the second question, though, is from Max, who says, I've always been curious as to how you guys respond to invasive questions, of which this could be perceived as one. I don't have, so I, I'm a top, but I, I'm trying to become versatile. Andrew hates this. I always use the, the phrase, I'm training my whole. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Oh my god! No, so well, I now I know what to get you for Christmas. One of those oh, actually, little I, anal trainer. Packs. No, someone told me to get a training kit because I just bought like one butt plug and like I I I I, I overestimated uh, 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 my abilities. So um, uh, yeah, I need to, size I need queen. To, I need to get a training kit. But um, Joe, you did not want to answer this question. I did not, no. And it's partially for personal reasons, partially because I'm married to somebody and I don't. Like, I know that he would not be comfortable with me disclosing that kind of thing to random people on the internet. <laughs> you and Andrew have a different type of relationship, and that's we do. okay. The big thing for me, though, is actually not even that. Like, if people really fucking care, I could tell you. The reason that I'm not going to is because, to me, there's a certain stigma that's attached to this. And I don't want to support that. So I think if you're specifically looking for sex on dating apps and you're looking to find out whether or not you're going to literally connect well with somebody, that's one thing. Then you can disclose because it's important so that that encounter can happen. Mm -hmm. Part of this is that I think there is a really big stigma to the way that tops and bottoms are discussed. I feel like there's still a really weird. Uh... Oh wait, I'm sorry for straights. Um, top is the typically oh. typically top <laughs> our twelve percent of straight listeners. Um, top is the person who um uh, is fucking, and bottom is the person who's getting fucked. And versatile is someone who can kind of like they can go either way depending on who they're with. Right. Yeah. So we've made advances as a society, but I think in this day and age, there's still quite a lot of stigma to this perception that people who bottom are more effeminate, mm -hmm. are the, more... And there's a lot of bottom shaming in the in the gay community, and yes. of course outside of the gay community, because again, yeah, like you said, like if, if you say you bottom, then the people assume, oh, you're the, you're the woman in the relationship. Yeah, you're submissive, you're the one who takes it, you, you must not be as assertive, you're more like the girl. And I really don't like that so i think it's actually a form a weird form of homophobia that i think the gay community still participates in too much and it's something that also seems to only happen with men like you don't hear lesbians being like so are you like the giver or the receiver because yeah. they're too busy for that kind of bullshit and i think gay men should be more focused on more interesting things. So I'm sorry, Nathan. We we haven't been answering some of your other questions, but this is just one that I'm. It's off limits for me. Uh, and that's fair. That's respectable. 
one thing I actually never understood, and like maybe people can explain this to me, is like because there are a lot of memes that are like, and like and like uh, on like gay apps and stuff, uh, gay um like uh Instagram accounts and whatnot. That's like. Um, when you're a bottom and you meet this great guy, but he's also a bottom, like it's like, oh, two bottoms can't be in a relationship together, or two tops. Well, okay, I kind of get the two tops because taking something up your ass is like, you know, well, for me personally, like it's more work. But like, I've never understood like, like when it's like, oh, like two bottoms can't be together. It's like, well, can't they just like? For me, it's easier, quote unquote, to top because it's less preparation. So I've never really understood that like mentality of of the gay community of gay men, I guess. I think part of it is that if you have a preferred position, you are going to want somebody who doesn't also occupy that same position. So it's right. not that they couldn't. It's just that what they, don't they want prefer, to. it's, yeah, I guess it'd be more work for them as well. And then when it comes to responding to invasive questions, um, I, as we just discussed, I don't really have as much of an issue with it. Um, I have learned over the year of doing this podcast that I should probably be more careful with how much information I disclose. Andrew and I have been working with Trace on setting up a few boundaries. <laughs> well, also, and I'm not going to go into too much detail about this, but we did have an incident with a listener this year that just kind of had, it grew to this person reaching out to me via my work email, via my personal email, all this stuff. And I've, Learn. I, I need to practice boundaries better. I think, but I mm-hmm. I like being open on the podcast because I also think that it helps listeners like connect with us more. You know. Yeah, and you know the reason that we do an episode like this one is because we actually do want to be forthcoming. We do want to reveal of ourselves. But well, I think part of it is that we do want to be open and we do want to connect with people. But we also need to be able to set a few boundaries. And there's. There's the podcast us, and then there's the, the the real us that also has to go out and like work a day job or interact with friends and family. And there are certain things where I think we just have to be able to say this is off limits. Yeah, and I'm not good at that, so I'm gonna try to get better about it. But I'm also like I'm a, I'm a more open, carefree person, but I, I I don't think about consequences, and I learned about consequences this year. Um, yeah. I mean, I always knew what they were, but like, you know, I, I experienced them this year. <laughs> yeah. Let's put it this way. If people want to connect with us, we do have a horrorqueers at gmail.com email address. And we also have the Twitter handle. It's when you start to, yeah, you know, don't don't go messaging Trace through his personal email or at work. That's off limits. Yeah. And when I say stop it, um, stop. yes after that it becomes harassment (laughs) don't reach out to people that i know in an attempt to get through to me because that has also happened this year all right i feel like we've made our point let's move on yeah um okay what are what are our types joe what types of bodies are we into or people i guess i feel like i can tell what yours are you like them twinky, don't you? Well, I like twinks, but I'm also like short, stocky, which is like the like Elijah Wood and or really Josh Hutcherson, like short and stocky. Yeah, more Josh Hutcherson. I'm not closed off to anything else, but it's just like that, when I'm like, oh, like, like that's my obsession. Like it tends to be, yeah, the short, stocky guys. Right. When you go to your happy place while you're training, that's what that's who you're thinking of. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I can't say that I've really had a type. I had a type of guy that I thought I was attracted to but then I ended up marrying somebody who was the complete opposite of that and <laughs> I'm quite happy with him but I will say that I'm I tend to be more attracted to people who are my own age or a little bit older so I don't really go for younger guys which is I think 
contrast to what uh, a lot of people my age and a little bit older tend to normally do. Um, I know a few guys who prefer them younger, shall we say. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is that I'm going to wear this like a bit of a badge of honor, but I don't ever get crushes on straight guys. I don't and either. No. I know that that's a big fantasy for some people, but I just like there's too many hot gay men. Why would I ever get a crush on a straight person? I think I'm just lazy, though, because I, I just think about the effort that it would have to take to like seduce a straight man. And so I'm like, that's just too much work. Like, I'd rather just go for a guy who's like already like wanting it yeah i had a friend who would just constantly lust after straight men and i'd be like but what are you gonna do with this person and he'd say oh well i just you know i just need a six-pack and like a big joint <laughs> cody asks what is the most fap worthy sex scene in a horror film and i'll answer this really quickly it is the perfect nipple placement scene in the Friday the 13th remake. Are you talking about like the scene where the guy and the girl are having sex before some girl gets thrown through the window? Maybe. No, it's the one when the douchebag guy, like the one from Transformers, um, when right. the girl, when she's straddling his cock, and basically he, they're fucking, and it's, it's a really like graphic sex scene, especially in the unrated cut, but he literally goes to her, oh, you have perfect, perfectly placed nipples or perfect yeah. nipple placement, baby. <laughs> So that's the scene that you find, like, most wank-worthy. It's probably the most porny sex scene I've seen in a horror film. That's fair. Although, I would contrast you with The Town the Dreaded Sundown, where there's just that military guy and then that other chick. Oh, yeah. That one's yeah. really porny. But Is that your choice porny. for Fapworthy? Ew, no. I don't oh, think yours? of something that actually turned me on, so excuse me for, like, focusing on men. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. So I chose, I, I don't really have one. Unfortunately, there's not a ton of like gay sex in horror yeah. films. So oftentimes you're just kind of focusing on a person's body part and becomes very fetishy. Mm -hmm. So I picked the popsicle scene in Jawbreaker because that was a yeah. seminal moment for me. That's fair. Um, there's also the image of Frank's butt when he's fucking Julia in Hellraiser, because that was also like a film that I saw at a very young, impressionable age. Okay, so you went of... personal then. Yeah. Okay. But this, the question is literally what is the most wank worthy sex scene in a horror film? Yeah. But I was just thinking like, I mean, I guess I was going like, well, I guess, yeah, that's fine. That makes sense. And then of course there's also, you know, Christian Bale in all of American psycho. There you go. The body's good. This next, I don't know if you're going to answer this next question, but uh, this is uh, Wyatt again. But he goes, um, "Have you ever made out or had sex with someone while in a while a horror movie was playing in the background? If so, which?" I will answer this question. Okay. Are you going to? Well, um, my answer is no. So I I don't oh, okay. have a pick. So um, first, my first kiss uh, with a boy was uh, in the theater for Triple X Two: State of the Union. Not a horror film, Ooh. but there we go. I mean, it's terrifying. I did receive a blowjob in the movie theater when I was seeing the American remake of Dark Water, the uh, the J-horror film. Because <laughs> it was really boring. <laughs> oh my God. No one will spice up this bad Jennifer Connelly movie a bit ahead. <laughs> and like, I, I was like 17 at the time. I can't believe. How dare you? That, yeah, that was, um... That was my only memory. Also, in the movie Waiting with Ryan Reynolds and Anna Ferris, that was also a thing that happened. Wait, so you're just getting head in theaters all over the place? Yeah. Um, wow. Also, also the video game adaptation Dead or Alive, but that was when I was working in a movie theater, and I knew like that movie was going to have no one in it. So like mm. we, we did that there, and I also right. kind of watched the movie. <laughs> 
So it was a great blowjob, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, it was good. But the only horror movie I can think of is the yeah, Dark Water, seeing that in theaters. Wow. Yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, I was a teenage slut. Uh, okay. I mean, as long as you are okay with that, that's fine. Yeah, I'm totally fine with that. I'm 30 cool. now. Okay. All right. So now we've got lightning round questions from Max. Yeah. So he's just giving us a bunch of different options, and he wants us to pick which one. Yep. So Trace, Hulu, or Netflix? Netflix. Okay. Netflix is also mine, mostly because we don't get Hulu here in Canada. Yeah, which I just found out today. <laughs> uh, Paris Hilton or Lindsay Lohan? Paris Hilton. Ew, really? Oh, I love Paris Hilton. Uh, there is a meme, and I'll send it to you, uh, but it's it's Paris Hilton versus the Virgin Mary, and it's like oh a pr- it's comparing the two. It's super fucking funny hold on my god okay well my pick was Lindsay lohan because i don't love nepotism and i don't love rich people so i'll go with the tragic girl whose society cast aside okay um so it's like paris hilton versus virgin mary paris hilton has had singing career virgin mary no career paris hilton famous without trying virgin mary only famous because jesus and then for <laughs> there's a bunch of others but then my favorites are um paris hilton hot as fuck 10 out of 10 Virgin Mary, loser, zero out of ten. Oh my god. (laughs) Is this from the burn book? No, it's just some meme that someone made. If y'all just Google Paris Hilton, Virgin Mary, like it'll pop up. It's really funny. Oh my god. All right. Uh boxers or briefs? Briefs. Mine is both, but it's context specific. No! Boxers leaves everything hanging and it like kills sperm or something. What are you doing with all that sperm? It hurts your <laughs> what are you doing with all that sperm? All that with sperm my cum, inside your jaw. <laughs> with my cum fetish, I'm saving it up for a lucky face. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> okay. And then we go from that to cake or ice cream. Cake. Cake. 100% cake. I don't like it when ice cream melts. If it stayed frozen all the time, I'd be fine. But once it starts melting, I'm done with it. And yet, come. Uh, 90s or 2000s era nostalgia? 90s? I don't know what 2000s would look like yet. Right? It feels like we haven't actually gotten there because we're barely broken out of 80s nostalgia. So Mm -hmm. I also said 90s, but really, for me, it's like 70s all day. Love the fashion of the 70s. That makes sense. That's fine. Yeah. Coke or Pepsi? Coke. Pepsi tastes weird. Uh, Neither. They're both disgusting. (laughs) Uh, I'm more of a Dr. Pepper person myself. Uh, Fair enough. Okay. And finally, ignoring laundry or ignoring the dishes? Ignoring laundry? I have to do the dishes. Yeah, me too. I lit like literally it was a deal breaker when I lived with roommates. If they <laughs> left dishes in the sink. Yes, and straight men do that all the time. Yeah, the worst. Okay, that wraps up our questions. Mm-hmm. So thanks to everybody who submitted questions, and hopefully we gave you some interesting answers. I mean, I think there's probably, what, one person listening at this point? So Yeah, we, we've gone on for a long time about just ourselves. Um, but if you have stuck it out this late, then you'll know that we're going to announce next week's film, and I think everyone's going to be excited about it. Mm-hmm. But before we do that, don't we have some other things that we need to address that are new and exciting and fresh and exciting and new? Sure. What are some of those things, Joe? <laughs> so in case you guys hadn't noticed, we've got some new fucking intro music. So, Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. We have swapped out Gail. So we, we promoted Gail to new levels of the Patreon. So you will see if you join the Patreon or if you go into Patreon, all of our tiers are now Gail Weathers hairdos, except for <laughs> the top tier. 
P.S. We also have a new top tier in the Patreon, which is audio commentaries. And we're going to be starting with your favorite episode, everyone's favorite episode. We're doing Scream. So you can watch Scream along with us and we will be drinking. So oh, I'm yeah. getting Trace good and drunk. It's drinking game rules, so it's going to get sloppy, and it's our favorite movie. Ooh, I don't think I knew we were doing a drinking game rule, but that's a really that's that's good. That's good. We'll do that. Bitch, <laughs> we, we talked about this. Get, I don't get on board. It's fine. So yeah, so coming back, we've we've got new intro music. So we've swapped out Gale for Hel- Helen Shivers from I Know What You Did Last Summer. Yes, and uh, actually that was a good one too because we actually had a few complaints about the Gale Weathers line saying that we it was fat phobic to have it in the opening credits. So a Apologies. B, this one's not fatphobic. Yes. Progress. Yay. We learn. <laughs> we learn things. So speaking of Sarah Michelle Geller, uh, as we teased earlier in the episode, we are going to be starting the article series back up. And we're going to be kicking things off with The Grudge to tie in with our first full-length patron episode of the year, which is on The Grudge. The Grudge. <laughs> Look, we said we were going to try to get the scheduling thing figured out. We're on brand. Yes. No, we're good. We got, and, and yeah, we're good. We got the grudge. Lots of grudges this month. Lots of grudges, lots of screams. Yes. So the final new thing is that we did kind of tease it to a couple of you, and people said that they would be interested in buying some Horror Queers merch. So we are going to open a little bit of an online store. So if you would like, you can follow the link through the episode notes and we'll tweet it out as well. But uh, yeah, you can get Horror Queers t-shirts and mugs if you feel like going ahead with that. There's a sticker on them that's really cool too. We could do the sticker too. I think there's a, there's some other shit. There's like two rows of shit. I don't know what it is. But yeah, no, cool Horror Queers merch. It'll be fun. Yeah, so you can <laughs> get it with the logo, get it with the name... Out and proud, and off you go. And uh, as we've mentioned before, uh, please make sure you you know follow us on Twitter at Horror Queers. Our own personal screen names are on there as well, but you know follow the podcast. That's great. Join our Facebook group. Uh, if you have two seconds, please head out iTunes and leave us a review. And if you want more content, as usual, as we've mentioned several times, please join our Patreon at patreon.com slash horrorqueers and look at those awesome cool tiers with Gail Weathers' hairstyles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fucking cares. <laughs> uh, Joe, what are we going to cover for our first film of 2020? Oh, it's a new year. I'm so excited. But I'm also feeling really nostalgic, Trace. So I feel mm-hmm. like we should do some anniversary films this month. And I think that we should start off with the Mac Daddy of them all. We're doing Scream 2, motherfuckers. I'm so excited. I've seen this movie like 50 times, and I'm going to talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes, I will match your enthusiasm. I'm also very excited for this. Folks, as many of you know, this is our favorite entry in the Scream franchise, so I think it's safe to assume that we're probably going to do a big episode on this. And uh, yeah, now we just got to, you know, make sure that we don't do it dirty. Uh, and also, to be fair, someone in the listener survey said that for their film suggestion, they said you should do Scream 2, but every year you should do the, the next sequel. So like next year's Scream 3, and then the year after that, Scream 4, and then by the time that happens, the new Scream hopefully is out. Just a heads up, we're not stealing that idea from that person because that was already our plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you'll <laughs> always know what the first film of the year that we're going to do for at least the next couple of years. <laughs> but yeah, okay, well, this has been long and fun. 
thank every thank you everyone for filling out the survey and for reaching out to us sending us your questions hopefully we make 2020 even better than 2019 yeah and i guess on that note we can cross out speed dating yes and cross out horror queers Disgusting Podcast Network, home of creepy, disturbing, and terrifying creepy pastas, SCP archives, weekly full cast storytelling, horror queers, genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective, and the Boo Crew. For horror-centric interviews, listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.